0: This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app
1: news, data, and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful, but brief. In this episode, we have Christopher della Riva, Senior Product Manager at AudioMac. Chris, welcome to the BNCFS Podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Great, uh, thank you for coming. So frictions, the resistance that one surface or object encounters when moving over another. This is the dictionary definition of what a friction means in science. When you ask a mobile app developer, what do frictions mean to you? The answer is that any obstacle that prevents my app users from doing boot the app what I expect them to. This notion is great. But as with everything in our life, moderation is the key. And today, Chris will give you an example of that. But first, Chris, before they are addressing our today's topic, please tell us about you briefly. What is your background in tech?
0: Yeah, so I am a senior product manager focusing specifically on data and personalization at AudioMac. We're a global music streaming service with tens of millions of monthly users, um, more particularly popular in Africa. I started at AudioMac just as a data analyst. I sort of worked across the business quantifying whatever needed to be quantified. And about two years ago, I moved over to the product side and I've worked on um, you know, I've worked on a bunch of stuff, but a lot of my work has focused on bringing algorithmic song, music and uh, album recommendations um, into our apps and onto our website.
1: Oh, what is what is audio Mac? Tell us about the app and how is it different from other music streaming services?
0: So there's a couple differentiating factors between audio Mac and other services. Uh, primarily audio Mac allows people to upload, um, directly to our site. Uh, you can upload from our creator app, or you can upload again on the website. Uh, this is different from say your Spotify's and apples of the world, which if you want your music up there, you have to go through a yeah. third party distributor and put, makes us a, a more similar to a company like SoundCloud, um, where users can upload directly to the platform. Uh, We're also limited catalog. So again, on Spotify and Apple, you could go on and you can find any song that's basically ever been recorded. Uh, We focus on specific genres that interest our users, which for this case, it's uh, various types of Afrobeats music, hip hop music. Um, We're slowly expanding into some other genres. But the fact that I said you can upload from our creator app is another thing that I think sets us apart is we want to be the first place that an artist uploads, um, like the first thing that they ever make. And we want to grow along with that artist and have them bring their fans onto our platform. So we're really focused on new music discovery for listeners, but also for artists, encouraging them to create their first beat, to make their first song, get it up on the platform and bring their fans along with them.
1: That's a cool concept. Oh, what What about the interactions, the communication between fans and the, the singers on your platform—is there any chance for them to you know get in touch and have a you know back and forth communication?
0: Yeah, actually, funny enough, we are—we literally just launched a new product um, called Connect. It allows artists to directly message all of their followers, and the followers can you know comment back. Ah, uh, there is one thing we noticed is that this notion of what a follower is on social media. Or on various music apps, it doesn't always mean you can reach your followers. Say, if I have hundred thousand followers on Instagram, it doesn't mean I'm going to post and all of them are going to see it. Uh, we wanted to set up a way, a free tool for artists to make sure that they could reach their followers, and we have. It's it's been soft launched, but we're uh, the official marketing push is actually beginning. I think today, uh, of all day. So by the time this airs, it will be out there. And another thing that we have along with that is this program called Supporters. Supporters is sort of like a tip jar. Um, you know, if you're listening to a song, you really like it. You can click to support the artist, give them a dollar, give them ten dollars. Along with allowing artists to message their followers, we also allow them to message their supporters. Uh, so you could think of it sort of like a Patreon program where, you know, OK, maybe I want to send a message with some special merchandise deal to people who have supported me above X dollars. Ah, uh, so we really do try to build that artist follower connection as much as possible.
1: yeah, th- this is great for um as as long as I remember, both platforms, Spotify and um iTunes, like the initial promise when they were in, they run big were to uh, support um indie um, uh, artists, people who were at the beginning of their path to go um, uh, wide and um, distribute their songs to a wide audiences to grow but as we know by now like platforms of the size of iTunes um are really focused on really big um, um, ce- celebrities and small folks are having a really hard time to get there and be uh, recognized and fo- find their listeners And so I do like that there are still apps like yours that provide this platform for folks who are at the very beginning of their path as the artists. This is great.
0: Yeah, that's something our our leadership team is is always focused on. It's like how can anything we we create that's going to help the smallest artist win is really going to ultimately help all artists um, because they can all benefit from 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 tools like this and and various other products that we've launched.
1: Yeah. Every, every talent uh, has to start with something, you know, the first step and we have no idea who's going to be the next Rihanna or uh, Sting or Madonna. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, that's, that's important. Uh, Now moving uh, forward app marketing has a lot of uh, jargon, so we're going to be talking about the onboarding today. Uh, let's define the term. What do we mean by onboarding when it comes to mobile apps?
0: I, you know, I don't, I don't want to overthink it. Uh, onboarding is just the process by which a person starts using your app, um, a, a way they get familiar with the app and begin to use it. Uh, you know, that could you could you could have an app that has. No onboarding, which I guess is an onboarding itself, which is just click the app, open it, and you're using it. You are, I guess, onboarded. But most other places have a have a process, like tell us who you are, what do you like? What are you looking to use our app for? Um, so yeah, it's just it's just a way to get users in the door.
1: Gotcha, okay. So let's talk about this process for your app, for Mac. So what do you factor in to make it click for your app users?
0: Our process has evolved pretty dramatically over the last four years. When I started at AudioMac, the onboarding process was no onboarding process. Our idea was let a person in the app start listening to music. They're going to stick. They're going to eventually create an account. They're going to start saving music, so on and so forth. They're going to be retained. What we found over time is that there is so much music out there that People can get overwhelmed uh, by that near infinitude of choice. So it's it's better for the user and they're more likely to stick around if you can sort of if they can give you a little bit of information and you can point them in the right direction. Secondly, if you force users to create an account right at the beginning of the process, they can immediately start building um, their library. And the one thing we know is that the more songs you add to your library, the more likely you are to stick around previously when you when you didn't need an account to listen, but you still needed an account to uh, add to your library, users would eventually encounter that friction of okay, I need to I need to create an account now. So we figure it's better to get it out of the way immediately so that they can use a fully featured app right from the get-go.
1: Yeah, so this is um, kind of a classical example to me. You no know, bad friction versus good friction. Um, there's there's tendency in Silicon Valley for many startups and big companies to follow the mantra: the less friction, the uh the better. And um, unfortunately, on a very big scale, and you know, with the case of social media platforms, we see when people are. Um, Let's take Twitter or Facebook sharing information, and it is as easy literally just a one click. Uh, people just do not have this um, good pause. Uh, think about what you're gonna share in a second. Are you sure you really grasp what, was, what this story behind the link you're gonna be sharing in a second is telling you, uh, or you just do it automatically and quickly because this is kind of a habit. So if you're giving somebody a pause, small of a friction at that point, that's healthy. This is for good for the platform. The bad friction, of course, if you're giving people really a hard time when they're onboarding on the app, when they're lost in the interface, which to you looks like perfectly clear, easy to use, but this is just you. Your users are having a hard time to comprehend what exactly do you mean by all the screens and the buttons in the interface. So, um, yeah, I I, I see like what, what, what was the transition from just uh, letting people to use the app right away and uh, to not bother them with the account and realizing, okay, when they have the account, you're giving you them kind of a framework to be not overwhelmed with. It's just a great choice of, okay, which one I'm going to be listening first. There are so many good uh, songs to listen to. I do have this feeling sometimes when I'm browsing through the um, um iTunes, um, the library of Apple Music, but I do have an account, but it's still, it's kind of a problem. Okay, which playlist I should listen next, uh, even though they're being uh, chosen for me based on my interest. And I do still have this problem, right? Yeah, I mean, it's,
0: I, I there's a stat I heard once that's, it's pretty staggering that there's more music released daily now than there was in an entire calendar year in like the 1980s uh I think Spotify at this point onboards over a hundred thousand songs per day this is crazy. you know there's no human way to go through that uh so it's it is a it's a hard it's a hard issue um and to your point about you know we started thinking about our onboarding process like what is the minimum information that we have to know about you to make your experience good from the out, the outset. Mm-hmm. And, um, what are, and basically anything else, let's, let's not, let's not ask you about that. Uh, so the, the really, the only things we need to know are we need you to create an account. So, you know, we need your email or we need, a uh, you to authenticate with some sort of social platform and we want to know your top genres that's the simplest way we can try to put something in front of you immediately uh, we also ask for your age and gender which you know we use mostly to serve better ads that's the, the only part of our process where i feel like you could argue you don't have to know this immediately but the data has showed us that once you enter your email effectively 100% of users are advancing past the age and gender screens so you know there like you said there's good friction and bad friction maybe that is maybe that seems in the abstract uh, to be worse friction to ask for some informa- information like age and gender but everyone gets gets through it so it it can't be uh it can't be that bad and that's the other thing you know always as they always say follow the data follow the data um, i think that's the best way to see where friction truly is in your onboarding process. And I also think that it's not, people often think of friction as just the screens you're showing people. So in our case, we're asking for your email, we're asking for age, gender, and your top genres. But I also think the experience on each of those screens is where the friction comes into play. Is how can, you can ask every user for their gender and their age and their top genres, but you want to figure out how to do it in a way that requires as few clicks as possible. Um, so I don't think it's as much as what are you asking, but how, how are you asking it and how, Mm -hmm. um, how are you allowing users to advance through those screens? And that's something we've tried to optimize is like, you know, rather say for gender, we used to make you click into a menu and then select an option. We're like, we don't have that many options for, for this. Let's just put the options on the screen and then you just click it and you move on. So we're still asking for the same information, but we've eliminated say like one or two clicks in that process, um, which I think that's, in my mind, that's the bad friction. It's not really the asking of the question. It's more of how how are you asking it and how is the user um, providing the information? That's the, That's the friction we try to avoid
1: yeah, that's a good distinction, uh, because I think by, by now is uh so, so um many other platforms uh like the the moment the moment people are registering on your your platform, he or she has already registered on so many other platforms and were was asked about the age and gender and uh like these basic piece of data. So I don't think it's like over time, it doesn't, uh, it becomes less and less uh, look like asking too much because people are getting used to this small bits of information. They're giving away in in return for getting something customized to them. They just need to understand uh, like these, like you're saying, the experience of how exactly you're providing this information should be simple and intuitive. Um, by the way, I I uh, speaking of the onboarding process and how people are using the app, um my experience of using um Apple music is that I've stopped paying attention to albums, except very few cases. For the most part, it's just playlists. Do you find the same trend with your app? Are people still paying attention to albums? Which used to be a huge thing. People were waiting for a new album and it was very, deliberate value of a specific album now we're living in the world of playlists are you seeing the same thing on your end
0: yeah i mean playlists are one of the most important ways people listen um in the streaming world what we see with album consumption i mean album listening is it really depends on which albums are coming out um You know, on new music comes out from the major labels every Friday. If it's a Friday where a bunch of big artists release albums, then we will notice that album listening has increased dramatically on that day. But I mean, you're right. And this is a, this is a pattern across, across the streaming space that a lot of listening happens on playlists. A lot of listening happens on single songs. And even when people are listening on albums. You know the average person is not listening front to back uh, of that album. There's so many ways you can listen to an album now. Uh, you could theoretically shuffle an album as a as a musician that breaks my heart, but um, you know it's that's you you don't have, we're not we're no longer in the world where an album can have one strong single and then sell a bunch of copies off of that. If that's the case, people are only going to listen to that that one song. Um, and because of that, you know, that's the song you'll see show up on playlists and it's just, it's the way it is right now. Is it, is it good or bad? I I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just different.
1: Right. What are the takeaways from your experience of tuning onboarding uh, for Audio Mac?
0: So our takeaways have always been, again, you do want to get people through the process as quickly as possible, but you want to make it clear why they are going through this process, you know, pre- present the value proposition um, from the get-go. And then we, we just look at each each step of the onboarding flow and just see where are people stumbling? Are there ways that uh, we can improve improve those, those pages? Uh, for us, the, the place we lose most people during onboarding is during email entry and password entry. Basically everything else we ask which is really just, again, age, gender, and your top genres, it's like 99.5% of people are getting through. So we really just try to focus on those places that people are stumbling and making it so that they don't stumble there. Of course, you're always gonna lose some users, um, but they probably wouldn't have been that high value anyway if if they can't create an account at all. We don't want to assume that because there's probably good users who who are getting mm-hmm. confused. Um, but really just try to double down, focus on the pain points in the process um, is what our sort of mantra has been over the last couple of years.
1: Got it. Uh, Chris, being mobile tech for a few years by now, what would you like to change about it the most?
0: Well, I, I mean, the the hard one of the hardest things for us has been things have changed where we are. We have a subscription tier, but we're also an ad supported business. And uh, Apple and Google ha- have made it harder to serve personalized ads um, over the last couple last couple of years, especially on the Apple side. Seems like changes are coming on the Google side. Uh, you know, I understand the privacy concerns, but the things that we would like to to change are to make it um easier for businesses that rely on mobile advertising to survive and to compete. Uh, and we'll see you know the industry's going to change it's changed dramatically over the last two years. It's probably going to continue to evolve, and we're hoping to see changes that allow um businesses that rely on mobile ads to continue to survive. Uh, but that's, you know, that, that's something that's a, a pain point and something we're always looking to improve upon, iterate upon. Um,
1: got it, Chris. That's um, that, that's a very pivotal moment right now, especially when the chat DPT bursted into in the sea in, uh, like a half year ago, uh, because, Just like you're saying, we're moving to this uh, space uh, when the privacy finally got its place in the uh, advertising industry. And um, as healthy as it is, um, it obviously makes a damage for uh, so many um, web developers uh, of all sizes. And uh, hopefully, uh, AI will be able to kind of uh, reverse this trend by providing better insight using more sophisticated analytical capabilities so to be able to reconcile both privacy and yet allows to efficiency of advertising analytics to go back to the you know pre-apple and google recent um, introductions for the ad platforms so fingers crossed that uh People will you know, become brief again and, and be able to uh, measure uh, advertising efficiency and provide the level of personalization and uh, um, effectiveness for each ad as it used to be before the ATT introduction from Apple and uh, the same kind of a measures from uh, Google's side.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the, the advertising space has changed Dramatically in the last few years, it's likely to continue to change dramatically. So, you know, we'll, we're willing to evolve with the space, and we'll see how things uh, shape up. We're it's that's one of the the pieces of our business that we are hyper hyper focused on, um, and we made tons of improvements there. So, we'll see again. We we don't really know exactly what the future holds, but I we I understand the the privacy concerns, but you know, there's there's certainly two sides to it. That personalized advertising does help small businesses thrive Um, and it's, it's affected everybody across the board. So everyone's trying
1: to figure it out. All right. We are finishing the first part of the show and I'm transitioning to the second one where every episode I take a chance to ask a few questions to every guest who comes uh, on air to talk to, to us. So people, who are listening to us can know every guest on this show a little bit better. Here we go. Question number one. Uh, what smartphone do you have now? Are you been switching between 2 two giants, Android and iOS or on one side all the time?
0: I've always been on the iOS side. I have uh, an iPhone 12 mini. One thing I always do is every time I get a new iPhone, I just ask them for the smallest one. Some of them have gotten so large, it's like carrying around a tablet <laughs> uh, for work. I, of course, also have an Android, an Android, like just test device. You know, I can't make calls on it or anything, uh, but I use that regularly. But the one I'm carrying around in my pocket as I go about my life is an iPhone.
1: OK, you're in an iOS worse just like I am. Um... Let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, do you remember your first mobile phone? The one you can put in your pocket, but it wasn't a smartphone at that point.
0: Yeah, I, I think I was in sixth grade. I got I don't I certainly don't remember the exact phone. It was an LG. It was a flip phone. Did not have a camera. Did not have texting. Um, I basically could only you know it could only it could only call people, which was
1: Just the phone
0: good enough for me then. After that, I think I had a, a Motorola Crazer, which was like the thinner version of the Razor, which was quite popular. Um, and then there were, I think there were a couple other just, you know, flip phones uh, until I got an iPhone maybe at the end of high school or the beginning of college.
1: Yeah. Um, back to present. Um, imagine you've left your iPhone 12 mini at home by accident uh, you're out and uh, what is the most missing feature for you
0: well i guess in terms of utility it's probably uh maps you know carrying a gps in your pocket is is a game changer um, and i definitely know my way around less now that i always have that i say that but also you know uh i am certainly uh, uh, lightly addicted to twitter so um I'd probably miss that too, though I, I, I wish I didn't.
1: I hear you. Um. All right, let's uh, take a quick look into the future. Um, If you're like thinking about your iPhone 12 mini or just p- perhaps any iPhone model at this point right now, what would be the cool feature hardware software to make it more useful for you? Not necessarily like what you know the trends are telling us, but just for you, what will make this device more useful in your life?
0: I mean, it's it's certainly a, of course, a, a wildly wildly uh, useful useful device. As is um, the honest the thing, you know, the the phones just take up mobile. The smartphones take up so much of my my time. I don't even. I don't even want to look at what my weekly screen time is. Uh, I, I would like, honestly, better better controls to uh, get me off the phone more. Uh, which I think, really, that might just be willpower, which is not something Apple can release. Um, but you know, they have they have some features about like you know how much time you're spending in certain apps, and I I think is. As we move forward, stuff like that's going to be more and more important, especially as people are more and more online and just making sure you know, I'm able to take a step back and uh, live live in the real world without constantly having my head in cyberspace.
1: Right. So the iPhone or any smartphone for this matter should still be just a tool in your life, like a hammer, scissors, screwdriver. Uh, you're not carrying around your hammer or a screwdriver all the time. You're just using them whenever you need something to fix. And the iPhone or any smartphone should be, quoting Steve Jobs, has to be a bicycle for your mind. Um, something that is helpful for you um, on occasion. And then just gradually, uh, not gradually, but just uh, kind of uh, um, moves away uh, from whatever you're doing Um Going kind of a out of and in into the background of your life, but um, yeah, I would agree that as uh, as things stands right now, the set of uh, settings on iOS um, and Android, they're nice. uh, We they were kind of a, a long hanging fruit to have but uh, to be honest um, they are not uh, capable actually to moderate the actual usage of a device in your life because um, you're being busy you're you're not thinking about the moderation you're busy with anything on your table on your to do list at that point you're not thinking should i use the my phone less or more am i going over the limit um, and there's always this chance to click uh, give me more, more 10, 10 15 minutes more or just uh, turn off the <laughs> any moderation at this point because exactly. you you need it at this point and um yeah the, not, nobody's gonna force you to do this and there's very delicate balance between the device being too uh useful to um like the both platforms are doing a really hard job and trying as best as they can to make it more useful for you and um yeah this the uh, externalities as they say uh, when something unexpected is happening in uh, the addiction it's it's, it's really a really problem for many th- people when we're talking right now only for the balance between work and life and, but there are many occasions when this really the case of addiction with your smartphone so one yeah. would hope fingers crossed that the technology will not only become more capable to deliver more stuff, but the moderation will be there as a part of the equation.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do?
0: Uh, I am very easy to find online if you search my name, Chris Dalariva, Uh, but on all social media, uh, my name is C. Dalariva Music. Um, that's because I also release music, uh, but you can find me on Twitter, TikTok and, uh, Instagram under those handles. I also run a weekly newsletter, uh, which I describe as the intersection of music and data called can't get much higher. Um, and you can, again, if you go to any of my social platforms and click on whatever link is there, you'll be able to find that. Um, so yeah, and, and basically, any plat- uh, basically any platform, basically any platform. I'm also trying out some of all the some of the various Twitter quote unquote replacements. So, all oh, threats, of course. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll see me uh, you'll see me trying those out too. But Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is where I definitely spend most of my time.
1: Great. Uh, we're going to be adding the links to those accounts into this episode description, so we'll be able to get in touch with Chris the way you want, uh, You know, picking up your favorite channel of communication. Chris, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and spending time with us. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you. It's a lot of fun.
1: Great. Thank you, Chris. And that was Christopher Della Riva, Senior Product Manager at Audio Mac. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.